This is an ICGC Cornerstone podcast. At Cornerstone, we believe in the power of the Word of God to transform lives and empower people to influence their generation. And now, time for the message. Today I'm going to teach briefly within the time that I have what I've titled fatherhood. Fatherhood. Please stand with me if you can to Luke chapter 12 verse 2 and then we'll look at Matthew 7 verse 7 to 11. Luke chapter 12 verse 2. Jesus in this particular text of scripture or, or both scriptures is introducing God in a way that we haven't seen him before. Um, You know, throughout the Old Testament, God is known as the creator of the universe. He's known as provider. God is known as sustainer. God um, is known as the Lord of hosts and all these other descriptions that are given to him. Uh, But Jesus brings a different dimension to knowing and understanding who God is. And Jesus introduces God as father. He introduces the fact that we can have an intimate relationship with God as our father. And so we look at Luke 12, verse 2. This is Jesus teaching us to pray. Luke 12, verse 2, he says, So he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very important scripture. Since when we come to God, we must address him as Father. Which helps us to understand that if you have a wrong perspective of who an earthly father is, it is most likely that you will find it difficult to approach God as father. And and so we see from this particular scripture that having the right understanding and relationship with our earthly father affects our understanding and relationship with our heavenly father, God as well. And Jesus paints him as our father and we as his children as well. Matthew 7 verse 7 to 11. Matthew 7 verse 7 to 11. He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and he who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Now, Jesus is trying to teach about fatherhood. And he's using the illustration uh, uh, about father. You know, when we come to our earthly fathers, we ask them for something. And they give us what we ask them for. And he says that in the same way, we can approach God with faith. That he will give us what we ask him for. But, but it's very interesting because Jesus starts with the assumption. That if you come to your earthly father and you ask him something, he will give you. But we know that in some cases, that is not what happens. That you try to ask and you don't get. Or you ask and you say, why are you asking me? Go ask your mother, come and get out of here. You know. So if you have a, a relationship with a father like that, then when Jesus, is, when you read this text of scripture, and, 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 and Jesus talks about father, we can come to our heavenly father, it, it can become very difficult. They can become a mental blockade because when I go to my earthly father, I struggle to get how am I guaranteed, therefore, that my heavenly father will take care of me. But I want you to know that even if your earthly father doesn't take care of you, you have a heavenly father who will take care of you. 
He's the one who created you. He's the one who made you um, as well. And so we see, therefore, that having a better understanding of Father would even affect our faith towards God. And it's very important for us as men that we demonstrate fatherhood as the Bible teaches it. So that one day when your child is reading this scripture, they will really understand what it is to approach God as Heavenly Father as well. Very important. Now let me give you three things about earthly fathers. Three things about earthly fathers. Three things. Number one, earthly fathers must submit to the Heavenly Father. Earthly fathers must submit to the Heavenly Father. If we are going to be good earthly fathers, then we must submit to our Heavenly Father. We cannot be good fathers by ourselves. It doesn't work that way. We have to submit to the Father of all fathers, the Father of the fatherless. Very important. And if you don't know how to be a good father, and you've never had a good example, he can teach you. If you've never had a father, he can help you. And when you submit to God, he will teach you. And we start by submitting to our Heavenly Father. We don't start by just showing our authority. We start by submitting to our Heavenly Father. Number two, earthly fathers receive authority from the Heavenly Father. Earthly fathers receive authority from the Heavenly Father. Our authority as fathers originates from God. It comes from God. He's our source. We are the suppliers. We cannot be fathers outside of his will. He's our source and we are suppliers. And number three, earthly fathers must reflect the Heavenly Father. Earthly fathers must reflect the Heavenly Father. Fatherhood is not primarily an expression of our culture. It is an expression of our relationship with God. We reflect his love as fathers. We reflect his compassion as fathers. We reflect his care for us as fathers. He is our example. The culture is not our example because our culture and our society will say different things, will, will expect different things, will create different expectations for you. That is why even you see Ghanaian men are not romantic at all. Yeah, because if you're a guy, if you're a guy and you hold a lady's hand, ah, bear my power, you're holding a woman's hand. Man like you. Ah, what is wrong with you? Ah, the girl has judged him. Who told you? He's just being romantic. He's just being romantic. But our, our culture just makes it look like, or if a man, your husband, you're holding your wife back, ah, you're holding your wife back. Ah! They make woman send you. Ah! It's what culture says. Culture says. But so we, 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 we don't, we, fatherhood is not after culture. It is, must be after God. He is the one that we are trying to reflect, my friends. Now, it's very interesting when you read the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, right? In the Old Testament, the word, the Hebrew word used to describe God is that word ab, A-B or Abba, which Jesus says, which Jesus makes us know more clearly. That word ab is very important and describes father. In the sense of we as human beings and in the sense of who God is as well. Now, is, th is that word from which we get the, the, the name Absalom, father of peace, or Abraham, father of many nations? Now, interestingly, that word Abba or Ab is applied only to human beings. Because when animals give birth, that word Ab is not applied to the male parent. Is applied only to human beings, which is quite interesting as well. Which helps us to understand that fatherhood, from the biblical point of view, is not primarily biological. It is not just about your ability to impregnate somebody, because animals can do that. 
But fatherhood in the Bible is more about relationship and a covenant relationship. When we say we are fathers, we are not just saying that simply because we can make a woman pregnant. We are saying fathers in the sense that we, can, we have the capacity to relate to what we produce. That is what makes us fathers. Fatherhood is a holy calling. It is a sacred calling. It is not for people who are not ready. It's not for people who are not ready. Look at what Paul says. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. Paul says, when I was a child, he says, I spoke as a child. He says, I understood as a child. He says, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Three processes to become a father from what Paul says. Three processes. Number one, a boy becomes a man. A boy becomes a man. The process by which a boy becomes a man is not just biological, it is maturity. The process by which a boy becomes a man is about learning about yourself, learning about your strength, learning about your skill, learning about your convictions, developing a sense of responsibility. That is how a boy becomes a man. If you look at most cultures, um, whether it's the Hebrew culture, when, when the boy is 13 and he goes to the bar mitzvah, or it's um, different cultures where the, where the, where the boy uh, is now being uh, ushered into a man, you see that the, the boy has, has to take on some adventure, do something, show some, demonstrate some level of responsibility to transition as a rite of passage. Why? Because you have to understand as a, as a man who you are, what your strengths are, what your convictions are, you have to develop it as well. You have to understand the sense of responsibility that rests on you. The process of becoming from a boy, moving from a boy to a man, is a learning process. You learn to be responsible, my friends. You learn to know what you have. You learn sexual responsibility. Yeah, and if you don't learn sexual responsibility, when you marry, faithfulness will be a problem. A boy must learn to restrain his sexual desires when he's becoming a man. Because when you are young and you're a teenager, all kinds of things bombard your mind. All kinds of desires and instincts try to create havoc to your body. Your mind is a fertile ground. Your hormones are imbalanced and you find yourself feeling all kinds of things. And you have to learn to control it. As a man, you don't do what, you feel, you don't do what your feelings tell you. You do what is right. And you have to learn to control it. If you don't control it, every woman that passes by you, you will fall flat. And you have to control it. There's only animals that can control themselves. You have to control it. The process of becoming a man means that you must master your impulses. Your impulses. Unfortunately, many boys never become men. They grow in age, but they are still boys. And I was saying in the first episode, woe unto you if you're a woman and you marry a boy. And not a man. Number two, a man becomes a husband. A man becomes a husband. If you don't learn to become a man and you become a husband, it just means that the boy has become a husband, simply. When you become a husband, you learn to sacrifice as a husband. You learn to give of yourself. That is what it means to be a husband. You learn to give. When you were single, you were alone. All your money is yours. Everything you have is yours. You keep everything you have. When you marry, you sacrifice everything. And I find that you find guys who are married, and after work, they can't come home. I'm going to the club to chill. Hey! You are not serious. You are still a boy. 
you still have your toys. What are toys? Toys just means temptations of your youth. You still have your toys. You are still playing with your toys. Guys who marry and they don't know that they must be responsible and faithful to just one woman. Say, but the girls are beautiful. So what should we do? <laughs> so we pluck your physical. Even if we pluck your physical, your imagination is still fertile. You will not understand. It's like, ah, every Saturday, we are going for old school meeting. We are going to chat. You are, you are not serious. You are still a boy. Old school meeting to chat about what? Maybe you can do that maybe once, maybe, maybe 10, 15 years or something. When, they when the school is 50 years, 60 years, and then you are celebrating, so chat milestone, you can meet them and say hello for probably an hour and then I disappear. But every time you are meeting to reminisce about the good old days, you are still a boy. You're not yet a man. Because when you are a man, you become a husband. You have serious responsibilities. Family is counting on you. You can't fool around. You can't be lazy. You can't just, I don't, I can't work. I don't feel like going. You go to, eh? You will go to work. You don't feel like going to work. It's not about feelings, though. It's about what must hit the pocket. Because bills are waiting for you. You see, the, on the, in the skit, there was a whole scroll of bills. <laughs> waiting for you. It's called responsibility. You have to be responsible. You put your, you give somebody's daughter, you put your name on her. And she takes your name, misses your name. You've gone to overthrow her father. That you can handle things now. It is a serious responsibility. It's no jokes. It's no jokes. You have to, be, you have to know what you are getting yourself into. Otherwise, you're not ready to become a husband. It's a serious responsibility. You are going for somebody's daughter. You have to pay bills. You can't say, eh, bills, eh? No, you have to pay. You have to go out there and look for work to do. Don't take it lightly. Somebody's daughter is a serious investment. I have three daughters, so I know. Don't take it lightly. <laughs> it's a serious investment. So when you become a husband, you, you know what it means? You know what it means? You means you will share your money. Your money will go out of your pocket. Will go. See, I was earning this money, so it's my. It's not your money. It will go out of your pocket. You have to spend. You spend. You share your money. I'm not saying that you should have the whole world before you marry, but whatever you have, you will spend it. So if you are not willing to give up yourself and of your time, you are not ready to become a husband. A man becomes a husband. Number three, a husband becomes a father. When you become a father, you learn to go beyond yourself. When you're a husband, you give of yourself. When you're a father, you give beyond yourself. Beyond yourself. You earn, whatever, 300 CDs a month. When you become a husband, you earn 300 CDs, but what you have is 150 in your pocket. You don't know what that means. Eh? You understand when you marry. And then when you become a father, you earn 300 CDs, but what you have in your pocket is 50 CDs. Because the children will take 10 times what you have. You give beyond yourself. Beyond yourself, you must understand what this means, my friends. You take care of the child. You are going to stretch a little bit more. When you are single, you are comfortable. When you marry, you do twice. When you have a child, you do, you do ten times. To be a man is not easy. It's not easy. You cannot bring a child into the world and just say, as for me, you know, I like babies. Babies cost. Babies cost. Mm, you will pay. You will pay. See, I, I, don't, I, I just want to born. You will pay. 
for your information, burning costs money. But all this requires learning, my friends. Learning about yourself, learning to give of yourself. Learning. You have to learn it. Now, let me give you a few ideas before I wrap up my thoughts today. A few notes for men. And I was saying in the first episode that the women can, please, women, also take notes because you're going to marry the men. So you have to take notes as well. A few important notes. Number one, as men, you must learn to celebrate your masculinity. We have to learn to celebrate who we are as men. We have to. We have to. Many, most times, women don't find it difficult to have fun being female. You know, but the path, and our, their path and our path is not easy at all. It's not easy for women at all. Women have to deal with unbelievable difficulties, unbelievable social pressures, unbelievable process, childbearing, child raising up the child. All, and then when they finish childbearing age, menopause. They have to deal with all that. And yet, they still spend time to celebrate being female and they celebrate their femininity. Women love it. They have fun with friends. They go out with friends. You know, they have fun. Girls night out. You know, we're going out to have fun. To shop. Shopping. Hey, women can shop, my God. At least from my experience. Shopping. <laughs> can shop. Huh? Go to the shop. When I go there, I want to, this handkerchief. Pa! I'm out. But it's, it's not the same all the time. When I go with somebody, I get my handkerchief and I have to get for look for it. They, they call it the husband's chair. Look for it and sit down for two hours. <laughs> Just be thanking God for his goodness and mercy. As the woman moves around, taking over the whole shop. But it is, but they enjoy themselves. They enjoy themselves. They, they love to celebrate themselves. We have to learn to celebrate our masculinity. We have to learn it. Being male, being a man, it's not about chasing women. It's not about just boozing. It's not about just belching. No. Manhood calls for more than just big expression of your hormones. Manhood calls for more than just alcohol and bad manners. We need to celebrate our transitions from adulthood to fatherhood. Enjoy ourselves. We need to understand our bodies. We need to understand. We need to celebrate who we are in God's plans. Very important. We need to honor God with our masculinity. When we celebrate our masculinity, the women are in our lives will also celebrate us too as well. God made us to be men. And it's a challenge that you and I must live up to. God made us to be men. Very important. Celebrate masculinity. Number two, mighty men still need to rest. Today, men are moving around, pursuing so many things. And men get tired. Sometimes we get tired. In our pursuit of all that we want, we get tired. We get weary. And many times we are told not to express the tiredness or the emotion we feel. But men get tired. Men also get tired. Men also feel drained. Men also carry so much pressure. We feel it as well. And we have to know that we still need to rest. David says in Psalm 61 verse 2 and 3, he says, When my heart is overwhelmed, he says, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David says, there are times that I get overwhelmed. 
David writes Psalm 61 when he was tired. He was running, go, running from Saul, running and going through a very difficult time. And he pens this down that my heart is overwhelmed. My soul is tired. I feel tired. I feel tired. We get tired, my friends. We stress. We strain as men. We are haunted by our failures. We are plagued by temptations. Our mistakes rob us of the very comfort that life has afforded us. Regret makes us thirsty for second chances. If I could do it again, I would love my wife better. If I could do it again, I would spend time with my children. Brother, you must go beyond just being a believer, my friend. Allow yourself to be trained so that you know where to find safety and rest when you are tired. Rest. It's not safe, my friends, my brothers, when you are tired to rest anywhere. It's not safe. Some people rest in a sinful relationship. We have some who are resting, and when they are resting, they are flirting with danger, playing with death. And I was saying in the first service, do you know what killed Samson in the Bible? It was tiredness that killed him. When Samson was tired in the Bible, Samson wanted to rest. But unfortunately, he placed his rest on the thighs of Delilah. Maladabasha. Something was tired. Under pressure. And he went to place his head in the wrong place to rest. Be careful where you rest when you are tired. Be careful where you rest. If you're a married man, you can rest in your house and you can rest with your wife. Don't rest with a side chick. She won't help you. She won't help you. She won't help you. I'm telling you. It looks like she's flowing you now, but she won't help you. She won't help you. If you're a single man, rest in the presence of the Lord. Rest in the Lord. That's where it ends. Rest in the Lord. We're all single. We have to rest in the Lord. We rest it. Rest in the Lord. That's it. Rest in the Lord. Because we have the modern Samson of today. Samson of 2023. He has great might. He has great power. He has great strength. His talent, his career, his ministry, he's making it. Great potential, fulfilling so many things. He can move immovable gates. This Samson of today can endure unbearable circumstances to make profit. The modern Samson is blessed with incredible strength to survive under pressure. Blessed with success, cares with ambition. The Samson of today are never defeated. They are deflated. They get tired. And when you get tired, you get vulnerable. Rest in the presence of the Lord. Number three, feel the emptiness. Feel the emptiness. First Samuel 20 verse 18. It says, Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. Thy seat will be empty. If there's any emptiness in your heart, probably you never had a, present, a father who was present. Probably you have a thorny relationship with your father. You have to work towards mending that relationship. You have to go, but you have to be sober enough to go and know that you need to reconcile and mend that relationship. If your father is, there, is, is deceased and not, not alive anymore, then you have to, if you have children, you have to reach out to your children and be a father to them. And if you cannot have one, be one. Overcome the loss, my friends, by becoming what you never had. Give your children what you lost. 
fathers. Fill the emptiness. And number four, finally, find a spiritual father. Some men here and men all over the world need to be desperately adopted. Because they need to experience a relationship they never had in their childhood. They are searching for a father, a mentor, a coach. And I believe that what caused David so much pain in his relationship with Saul was that he never had that as well. David, one of Jesse's son, Samuel comes and he's looking for a king to anoint. And Jesse, being David's father, parades all his children and forgets one. Can you imagine? The father forgetting you. Shows all his children. It had to take the insistence of the prophet to, for him to even remember, hey, I have a child, I have a boy, Sam. Can you imagine? If when they are counting, they don't, they don't count you. That must have hurt David so much. Dealing with that, reeling from the pain and the experience of going through that. Then David finds Saul. And when he finds Saul, he thought he found somebody who would be a great mentor to him. And Saul was schizophrenic. Happy one day, crazy the next day. And hurt this man greatly. 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 Was jealous of David. Never choose a father who is jealous of your success. Because a father who is jealous of your success will only molest you. He will use you for what he can get and drop you. And if you've found somebody before and the person hurts you, you, you can search again. You can search again for godly mentor. And I pray that God will supply us with godly mentors. Thank you for listening to the message. God bless you.